Good morning. Open up with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Our God is a miracle worker. We've got some who can testify to that. It's good to see you, Dale, hopping along in here. Jim, it's good to see you too, making your way through here. God is a miracle worker, amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 4. In this sermon series that I'm doing called Who Am I? It's finding your identity in the Word of God. Finding your identity in the Word of God. And today we're going to talk about what it means to be a servant. What it means to be a servant. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Let's read that together, please. So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear. But that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness. He will expose the motives of men's heart. And at that time, each will receive his praise from God. Let's pray together, please. Father, I'm just so grateful to be here with my friends and family to celebrate and to honor who you are. As we gather today, we do, we worship you. And ask that your presence, your Holy Spirit, will just guide and lead each one of us. Allow your word to pierce our hearts as we want to know you more. Understand your relationship with us. And so we pray in that spirit and in the name of Jesus. Amen. I volunteer at my son's elementary school. I'm the, I'm the treasurer for the PTO. There has been moments this year that I have regretted my decision. I've had parents upset at me because one of our events didn't meet their expectations. I've had to do work at times that were outside of the treasurer's duties a.k.a. I didn't volunteer for that. But I don't give up because there's a purpose behind my time and my service. I believe PTO encourages our teachers. It makes our elementary school a better place for our children, especially for Charlie, so he can learn and grow in a safe environment and a place that will be uplifting and help him grow in knowledge. Understanding my purpose helps me persevere in my service. Understanding my purpose helps me persevere in my service. So let me help you, church, this morning understand what it means to volunteer or to be a servant of Christ Jesus. Paul says that he wants all men to regard him as a servant of Christ who've been entrusted with the secret things 
or maybe better translated, the mysteries of God. Paul uses this term often in the New Testament, refer to the mystery of the gospel. How did the Old Testament God now work in this new covenant relationship with his people? Our perseverance, my friends, is the hope of the gospel. That somehow, in a miraculous and mysterious and a secret way, we who are Gentiles are now grafted into the family of Abraham. The good news of grace is what drives us as servants. And Paul gives us a perfect picture this morning of what it means to be a servant. It is the gospel that helps us persevere. But what does it look like to be a servant? I'm going to give you three words that describe a servant of Christ. The first one should be the most obvious. The first word is humility. Humility. Look, look again in verses 1 and 2. He said, I want men to regard us as servants of Christ, those entrusted with the secret things of God. It's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. As a steward, I have no right, I have no authority over the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't own the good news. I'm just told that I'm supposed to take care of it. Which tells me Paul may have encountered people who thought they had authority over the good news. There are people who think they can pick and choose who's worthy to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if I was an owner of a business, I might want to hire the smartest, the best, the brightest of employees. But the gospel doesn't work that way. That's why you and I are here, amen? <laughs> In fact, we don't get to choose who we share the gospel with. We don't get to choose who we share the gospel with. God puts them in our lives. He puts them in our paths. It was Mother Teresa who was a great spiritual figure, inspired people around the, the globe, right? And during her lifetime, she spent time with the poorest and most desperate of people on earth, the poorest of the poor. Mother Teresa was once asked by a visitor how she could keep working patiently for so many years among these poor and desperate people with such meager, apparent results. And she answered, we are not here to be successful. We are here to be faithful. Ooh, it takes humility to be a servant to know that you have no right or authority over the gospel, that you are just to be faithful. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, Who then is the faithful and wise manager 
whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at proper time. It will be good for the servant whom the master finds doing what he should be doing when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, oh, my master, he's, he's taking a long time in coming. Mm. And so he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women. And he begins to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come back when a day when he does not expect him and an hour that he is not aware, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbeliever. Whew. Those are two very different pictures of servants. One servant was given a task. In humility, he was faithful to the one who commanded him. That servant recognized his place. That servant was obedient to his master. The other picture is a servant who's proud, impatient. He begins beating those to whom he was sent to serve. And he starts acting like he's in charge. Eating, drinking, getting drunk. Do you see what pride can lead to? It's a slippery slope as a steward if you don't understand your place. And as a servant of Christ, our place is to be faithful in the place God has put us. What does it mean to be faithful? That's the second word there. It's responsibility. It's responsibility. He starts saying that I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. I don't even judge myself, he says. But what's he say? He says, my conscience is clear. He said, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges. It is the Lord who judges. I am responsible to God. I am responsible to my master. I bet there were a lot of folks who judged Paul in the early church. I bet there are a lot of folks who had opinions about what Paul was doing, where Paul was going, what Paul was eating, what Paul was preaching. Paul says, my responsibility is to God and God alone. And it is God who will judge his work. I like this story. I heard a story about a young man who applied to be a, a farm hand. And when the farmer asked for his qualifications, he said, I can sleep when the wind blows. That puzzled the farmer. But he went ahead and hired him a few days later. The farmer and his wife were awakened in the night to a violent storm. 
they quickly began to check things to make sure they were all secure. They found the shutters of the farmhouse had been secured, fastened. A good supply of logs had been set next to the fireplace. And the young man slept soundly. The farmer and his wife began to inspect their property. They found that the farm tools had been placed in the storage shed, safe from the elements. The barn was properly locked. The animals were calm. All was well. And the farmhand was sleeping soundly. Because the farmhand did his work loyally and faithfully when the skies were clear, he was prepared for when the storm broke out. And when the wind blew, he was not afraid. He could sleep in peace. And so I ask you, my friends, are you able to lay your heads down at night knowing that you have been faithful to the responsibilities God has given you? Now, there's Christians who believe their responsibilities end with attending church once a week or once a month, maybe trying to sin a little bit less but I believe God is calling us to so much more. It's a beautiful passage in Matthew 28 that says that Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. We have a responsibility to share the mystery of the gospel in order to make disciples. God has empowered you with the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is powerful, much more powerful to just get you to church once in a while, a power that empowers you to make disciples giving you all the tools you need. And it was James in James chapter 1 when he said that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Well, what about you? Are you looking after the least of these in our world? Are you caring for widows and orphans? Are you helping the homeless and broken? What are you doing to those God has put in your life, where you live, where you work, where you play? Those are opportunities that God has given you to use the gift of the Holy Spirit to love and to make disciples. That is your responsibility as a servant of Christ, who is a steward of the mystery of God. And I've got one more word for you this morning. And that word is transparency. He said, my conscience is clear. It's the Lord who judges me. He says this. God will bring to light 
what is hidden in darkness, he will expose the motives of men's hearts. That's what he says. My actions must reflect my heart. You cannot fake being a servant of Christ. You must be transparent. Our hearts will be exposed by God. So be transparent to your fellow man. I love this story of a, of a Bible translator. His name was Doug Melan. He and his wife moved to Brazil to the Fulnio. Did I pronounce that right? The Fulnio Indians. These Indians referred to him as the white man. That reference isn't good, folks. It wasn't a compliment. Because white men had exploited them. White men had burned their homes. White men had robbed them of their lands. But the Melans learned the Fulnio language and began to help the people with medicine and in other ways. And then they started calling Doug the respectable white man. When the Melans began adapting to some of their customs and they didn't compromise their faith, they began to give them a better name and called Doug the White Indian. And then there was that one day they found Doug washing the dirty, blood-caked foot of an injured Fulnio boy. And he heard them say, whoever heard of a white man washing an Indian's foot before, certainly this man is from God. And from that day on, Doug was the man God sent us. Whew. He was called by God to be a servant. And in humility, he found his calling and found the responsibility to live out that calling. And because of his transparency, because his heart was exposed, the people began to see God. Do you remember the anointing of David as king over Israel? It's one of my favorite stories where the prophet Samuel came to Jesse, that's David's father. Jesse had eight sons and had an idea that this was going to be something big. And so Jesse brought his firstborn. And that man had to have been tall, good-looking, talented. God said in 1 Samuel 16, 7, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. So his tall, oldest, handsome, strong, smart firstborn, he said no. 
So maybe the second born. Maybe not as tall, maybe not as handsome, but the second born. God said no. And he went to third and the fourth, all the way to the seventh child in the list. And God said no. I love this line in 1 Samuel chapter 6. Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse said, well, there's still the youngest. He's um, tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. I'm not going to sit down until he arrives. God chose the youngest to be king over Israel. The one that was forgotten. The one that had the responsibility that nobody else wanted. That's the one God chose. And we're told that he chose him because of his heart. And that's what it boils down to, my friends, is our hearts. God has called us servants. Servants. Let's take that title with humility, understanding the responsibility behind it. And then let's allow God to change our hearts. And that's what we do as we gather around the communion table. We reflect on the God who changes hearts. Through the power of Jesus Christ, who died, was resurrected. He is changing your heart, equipping you for service. We do communion a little bit different here at Cornerstone. We have three communion stations set up, one in each of these corners here. There you'll find two cups. On the bottom cup is the bread, and on the top cup is the juice. I'm going to ask you hold and reflect as we sing this next song. The lyrics go, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. Reflect on that. And I'm going to ask Austin to come up after that, share with us, share with us some thoughts as we take the cups together. Will you bow your heads? Pray with me, please. It is humbling as we read about these powerful characters in the Bible. Characters like Paul and King David who live such extraordinary lives. But I'm reminded also that they started in humility, a place that you and I, that we need to start. And so I ask, dear Lord, that you will change our hearts, that you'll transform us into your image. And as we gather together, we celebrate the fact that you are a God who transforms, a God who gives new life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.